just want to say uh, a massive thank you to Rick Perez, who is today's guest on Battle of a Band podcast. Um, he's he's been in a, a lot of great films, uh, but recently Cobra Kai, one of my favourite series, as it will be for a long time. Um, but if you just want to check his cameo out at Rick Perez, um, he can do you a good shout out or birthday message or whatever for a brilliant price. So check him out. Um, and again, a huge thank you to you, Rick. Hi, I'm Charlie, the host of the Back of a Bang podcast, and I'm honoured to say in the 10th episode we had TV and film actor Rick Perez. Rick was recently in the recent season of Cobra Kai season 3, so you can see why that means so much to have him on. Also, he's been in Ozark, Mile 22, The Resident, and so many other great, great, great projects and shows and movies and stuff like that. He really is an actor on the rise and a really, a really great down-to-earth, humble guy. And honestly, I've had such a good time. And if you just do me a massive favour as well, check out his IMDB page, Rick Perez. Also, if you want a personalised message from Rick, maybe doing the magic crap line he said in Cobra Kai, uh, check him out on Cameo. We get a great price for a great personalised message, honestly. And remember, reap what you sow. Cheers, Rick. Right, welcome back to Back With a Bang. Your host, Charlie Walden, co-host Jack Dooley. I'm honoured to be joined today by TV actor and film actor, Rick Perez. Rick, I'm honoured to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm humble. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for having me in your podcast. No problem at all. Uh, how are you doing? How are you doing first off, Rick? Doing great. Staying healthy, staying quarantined, for, you know, in between uh, projects. But I, I can't complain. You know, we've been we've been spared, if you will, here uh, where I live. So thank God. I know of a lot of people have been affected by it. But, uh, you know, good, bad stories you hear out there. But I'm just waiting for the whole world to come back together, you know, stronger. Yeah, great news. Great news. Um, yeah, man. What age? I'm, I'm curious to know, what age did you what, know you wanted to be an actor? Uh, when did you oh, get, get into it? That's a good question. And uh, just to, let's go back to the genesis of it all. When I was about five years old, my father took me to see my first movie in Manhattan, in New York. Uh, some, some movie that, I don't know if it got a lot of notoriety, uh, called Star Wars in 1977, <laughs> man. My first movie, it was uh, amazing. And uh, just being in the audience, one of the first people to see it back then, uh, as a kid, I was like five or six years old, and I was just looking around at just everybody being amazed watching this. Are you guys Star Wars fans? I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. Dude, My great, dad is, though. So. <laughs> all the figures and collectibles, and it's, oh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Same same here, man. I collected those yeah. things for years. And when, when I saw, you know, just people's, of, um, just the way the, the movie affected them and just looking at everybody's face, I said, man, I told my father, I said, I would love to do that one day. And then, you know, things happen in life. You go through life, you you get jobs, you get educated, and boom, you, you, you wind up in Atlanta, Georgia, like I did. Um, and I saw a lot, of, uh, f- a lot of movies filming here in Atlanta. And I said, I told my wife, oh my gosh, there's Jason Bateman from Ozark. I don't know if you guys watch Ozark on Netflix. I've heard show. Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, there he is. And he kind of saw me and he heard me from my car and he kind of ditched back into his uh, trailer. But uh, I, I get nerded out too. And like everybody else, when you see these stars, but then I said, you know, I would love to get out there and just do the, do the same thing, just work in the movies at, at some point. So I, I signed up to be an extra, uh, a background extra, and I networked with a lot of people. And thank goodness, I, I just found myself a, a, in, a, in a position that they gave me an opportunity to do more and more roles. And then you get a speaking role here and there. And then I get landed with an agent and then I manager. And now I'm on Cobra Kai. So it was, it was kind of crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. What would you What would you say? Like overall, made you get into it? Was it Was it? Would you say it was Star Wars? Or was it? Was there a specific actor in Star Wars? Would you say that you looked at? Uh, and thought, you know, I want to be like that guy. I want to follow in the footsteps of that guy. Well, you know what, Harrison Ford. To be honest with you, I followed him throughout his career. After that, I mean, Indiana Jones, some of my favorite movies of all time. And then, I like your. You know, I'm at, at my age. You know, you get get a little older. You look at different um, different projects, like the Godfather trilogy. I was a huge fan of the Godfather. Still am. I watch it. I consider it like a master class. I go to school and I go into my theater and I watch movies and just pick apart the way actors do their roles. And again, making it my own, just trying to picture myself there. How would I deliver that line differently? And I, I do that with a lot of different movies, Godfather series, Indiana Jones. I like watching Star Wars, The Sopranos on HBO, an old series that, you know, again, some of the great actors that 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 uh, were part of that project. And, and it's just surreal, man, just being part of this industry I've met a lot of the, the same stars and people that I admire to this day, and I've had opportunities to work with them. 
and to speak with them one-on-one -on -one and just uh it's just been an amazing experience overall yeah um for you right you mentioned star wars and you're talking about the godfather trilogies that they're sort of um, action and, and sci-fi for you what is your favorite genre of film Let, let's go with to watch and then um all, all in all what would you say is your, your favorite genre that's a great question jack uh, i'd say at where i'm at now i'd say more of like the godfather sopranos type of real you know really gritty type of you know series or movies uh breaking bad i'm a big fan of also on amc uh, but those type of those type of projects, I really, I can picture myself in there. I can see how the actors evolve, the story arcs. But there are times, again, I like my Avengers. I like to watch my Star Wars movies and, and, and do my own fan theories and how the direction would, is going to go. And then I like The Walking Dead. So I, I like a whole host of different genres, but I find myself gravitating more towards the real gritty dramas, the thrillers. And, uh, you know, as an artist, I'm, I, I, I try to, you know, again, put myself in there. So that if I am given an opportunity to to you know either become part of that project or something like it, I'll be prepared. If that makes sense. Yeah, what is sure. it about them films that, that you think is it is it the sort of the action and suspense, or is it like you say you can picture yourself in in, in them films, or just what is it about them that makes them your favorite genre? Well, that's a that's another good question. I find compelled to the story arcs the the. Sometimes the, you don't always get to see everything about the the uh, the character, and you, and you love. I love the the antihero. I'm I'm part of that fan, fandom now. I love the bad guy. I like rooting for the bad guys. I find myself on that side of the spectrum a lot uh, in what I do. But at the same time, I love to see that road to redemption that you see a lot of play out in a lot of movies and shows nowadays. I like to see the the you know the the person who had a backstory, and that's so intriguing. We're seeing that in Cobra Kai with with Sensei Kreese. And you see that with a, a lot of a whole host of other characters, even going back to Star Wars, you're seeing prequels now. What made these characters who they are and what you love to hate and hate to love about them, if that makes sense. Yeah, you literally sure. stole the words out of my mouth uh, when you were talking about Crease. Uh, so yeah. what I was just about to say, you know, you see Crease as this bad guy, but then when you see the backstory in season three, you sort of see why he is how he is. And I can sort of link that to if you've seen the Halloween films with Michael Myers. I know it's a bit different because obviously he's a serial killer, but you see him as his past and how he's been mistreated. And I'm not saying you feel sorry for him because he's murdered a lot of people, but you do sort of feel like that. And like you mentioned about Priest, that, that just summed I, it up I, really. I, with I agree. Sarah. You see some fall victim, like you mentioned Mike Myers. Now the Rob Zombie trilogy, he went with it. With it, there was He was a, a, a child who was abused and what have you. Yes, so then you see the, the root there. He fleshed it out differently from the original, how, how uh, Carpenter did his. Uh, again, both geniuses in their own right, of course. But yeah, every every person, whether they be a hero or a villain, they had a backstory and what got them to that point. And we saw in Cobra Kai, not to digress a little bit, but then you see Hawk, you know, you know, he was bullied and then he became a bad guy. Now going back and flipping the script and going back to the good side, who knows how it's going to play out at the end of this whole story, but I'm sure the big three know exactly what they're doing. Because I'm a fan too. I was a fan before I got cast for the show. That's a great, great writing behind it. Yeah, for sure. Just to go back to a little bit of backstories, uh, we start. With, have, you, have you watched The Mandalorian? Oh, absolutely, big fan. Oh. That that's a great show as well. For that was well, oh. well like, done with Boba Fett and the Man, the Mando himself. That's that, the way they've done that is brilliant as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, I remember in eighty. What year was it when Return of the Jedi came out? Early eighties, 84, 84, I think it was like eighty three, eighty four. If I'm not mistaken, my years might be off. But when Boba Fett gets eaten by that. And he was like, oh, he's dead. That was quick. As a kid growing up with that, I was like, man, they really wasted that character. They could have done so much for, more with that. And for years, we've been hearing rumors that they may do a backstory with Boba Fett and Mandalorian and finally came to fruition, you know, and uh, and look at it. It's a hit. What a great show. Gosh, John Favreau, what a genius. And great homage as well to Luke Skywalker at the end. Indeed. That really... Uh, as a fan of the original, um, and again, uh, seeing how it kind of went when Disney bought the rights to uh, Lucasfilm, uh, it kind of, I, I had my disappointed feelings, just like a lot of fans did, uh, and how they, they did with Luke Skywalker's uh, character. But now I think that uh, John Favreau's vision, it really uh, brought a lot of us back into the fold and how we felt originally about the Star Wars shows. Again, I'm a, we're our toughest critics, being actors as well. We're tough critics on, on, on stuff. But 
you know, you, we always try to give things a chance, see how they, you know, how it evolves, the storylines and plots. But man, did they knock a, a grand slam with that one? That was the best, the best ending to that series. I mean, if they ended it right there, I'd be totally fine. But I mean, I can't wait to see what what uh, the future has in store for that show. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you think that's a, a route now that many of these like franchises can go down with like series and stuff? So if you've seen, I don't know if you watched Harry Potter before, but Harry Potter are now talking about a TV series. Mm. Do you think it can work for most of these, or do you got to be selecting which ones you do decide to expand well, on? That's a great one. Uh, you mean me as an actor, as an artist? What I get, what I right? Okay. Well, it is it is true. You you at some point you have to be somewhat selective. But every actor will tell you the same thing, no matter if they're an A-lister or an E-lister. Um, you don't always find yourself in certain situations by choice. Sometimes management sees you in a certain area and they try to place you in that. And you never know, you, you may fight it. And then uh, I, I see myself as a more serious actor, more of a gritty actor, but then who knows? I could be, a, have a, I have a comedic side as well, but nobody's really seen that. And maybe that may be my path down the road. Who's to know? But I do... Um, you have to be somewhat selective as to the to the projects you adhere to. You can't just take on everything. But again, it's like a, it's like a great. Uh, what do you guys like to eat? What's your favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. Okay. Pizza. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you: a cheese pizza. Everybody agrees, cheese pizza. But some people like sausage. Some people like meatballs. So the ingredients you put into that is going to make the final product, right? Now, if I throw an anchovy in there, some people are like, oh, gosh, you know, and that's how we are as artists. What we put into or the ingredients we put into ourselves as artists, it's what's going to be the end result and how we are, I guess, viewed by the viewer. And again, we're nothing without you guys. The shows that we, we, we are part of these projects are great. But the viewers, you know, we all are fans of, of certain shows and what have you. If we don't bring our A game, but if the content we bring is not part of that final project the ingredient we're talking about going back to that it's not going to come out very good right yeah 100 so we have to be somewhat selective yeah definitely just on a, a film you worked on a mile 22 with mark Wahlberg. <laughs> what was it like working with someone like mark Wahlberg? and you play always oh. like you played the analyst in that film it was a great film i love that yeah. film but what was it that like was one on of that my film? first man that was surreal i'll tell you peter berg who was a director he's done a million different i mean great movies and shows uh, I, I tip my hat to him. He gave me my first speaking role, which didn't show up in the movie because that's what happens many times. You know, they get edited out. But I was a background featured extra in that one of my first ones. And you only see me quickly on the screen. But the original scene that was cut out, we all were kind of talking about the cesium, the, 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 the poison that the terrorists were, were looking to put out there. And working with such consummate actors, I mean, that scene with Mark Wahlberg, Ronda Rousey, Lauren Cohen. I mean, you see the whole, the, that table that we were at in, in the headquarters there, it was the most surreal moment for me. I, I go, I went home and I told my family, I cannot believe Mark Wahlberg spit on my face. <laughs> it was crazy. Cause I mean, we had some moments that they're right on top of you and you feel the, you feel the energy and you're talking about nerd, getting nerd, nerded out and like a fan like you guys in this scene. And Peter Berg says, you come on, you're in the big shot. I'm like, Okay, put on your game face, get in there. And they're throwing you a line in there to speak with the rest of the group. And I'm like, oh my God, there's Mark Wahlberg. There's Ronda Rousey. We're right there on top. Talking about a master class, just early on, before I even got signed by any agents or done, done really of anything, that was the most surreal moment working with these guys. Because you know what? There's, there's reasons why they're stars. There's a reason why there's people that are athletes that are getting paid millions of dollars. They have true talent. Mark's one of them. I mean, these guys, incredible. Their, their minds, the way they bring out their characters, they own those characters. They know how to memorize lines like no one else. I mean, these guys are consummate professionals. And to have that first moment early on in my career was just an unreal moment, man. I, I can't even describe it. I hope I described it like I try to bring you in there. You can picture yourself there with me. But it, it's really short on really describing the, the entire experience. It was incredible. Would you say that project's the one that maybe took your career to the next the next stage, would you say? Yes, that's a good point. Yes, indeed, because that agency I was with, that they do a lot of background uh, work, they, they, they choose people. And, and again, they're trying to select people that are now gaining traction, and then they'll put you into other scenes. And that's kind of how it works in this business. And you network with people as well. People like to work with people they like and they enjoy, and they get through the day. A lot of these days are 12 hours or more on set, and we're working nights and weekends. And uh, they want to get through them. And if they can work with people that get them through that, 
they, they're tired too, like everybody else, they're people too. And uh, I found myself working with more and more people, networking, getting to know them. And they're like, hey, let's bring on Rick and this project and this one. And I started building that resume slowly, but I started as a background extra. And, and I did it purposely because I wanted to learn stage direction. You need to know when they're talking to you and your understanding because they have, you know, acronyms and all these different things that you have to kind of understand and learn. And you got to fake the funk sometimes, but then you got you to hit the ground running because if not, there's a million of other people looking to even be on set, you know, carrying a, co a cup of coffee for someone. You know, that's how it is. So I've yes. been really lucky. It's sort of a cliche, isn't it, where it's like not what you know, it's all who you know again in that sort of situation, isn't it? Indeed, that, that is very helpful. But uh, it, it, it depends also how you comport yourself because a lot of people, they get a little crazy out of hand and I've seen it many often, often times that uh, they aren't called back to projects because of maybe behavior or the way they control, you know, they comport themselves in that scenario. Um, but you just got to go with it and just learn. And, uh, and, and we're constantly evolving as artists. A lot of my other active friends can say the same thing. You're constantly evolving. You're never the same person you were when you start. I look at my auditions from early on. And I look at myself now, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I don't get embarrassed by looking at them, but I see, wow, I have evolved and you have to change because if you're not changing, you're gonna die as an actor. You're not gonna get any work. You have to constantly change and flip the script. Not saying you're using Hawks words, but it's true. You gotta flip the script. You have to change it a little bit. And I've known that more, uh, many actors who have really gone far in this business sometimes even take that step out a leap of faith and try something different because every time you do an audition it should never be the same you shouldn't come out as robotic you shouldn't come sometimes you have to be different in the eyes of a casting director when they're picking people they want they know anybody could just read lines off of a page but are you real is that who you are plus who they think that character is and you're making a blend of it but you're putting in that that inflection that they're looking for and you sometimes have to sometimes read it a little off key. And sometimes if you stutter, that's a natural stutter. They like that too. Because if you're just sounding just robotic and monotone, they can get anybody to do that, right? So they want to be able to get the true authentic uh, emotions from that actor because that at the end is going to grab the audience, right? We all want to see great content, great movies. But if the guy flubs his lines or he's not, he looks kind of like boring, you're not going to want to watch the show, right? So- yeah. I think that's kind of, if that makes sense, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What would you say is one of the biggest changes you've made when you've been critiquing yourself to improve as an actor? Stop memorizing lines. And sometimes you have to read in between the lines and just, and I've, I've told this many times in my family, I do a lot of auditions here with my own family and they're my toughest critics. Sometimes just be you. You know, when you're delivering these lines, sometimes, okay, if you didn't say and, and you said but instead of and, you're not going to really offend the writer too much because most of the time you're in front of a casting director, they're not the ones writing it, but they want to be able to see that you can, with that same sort of energy, whatever the scene calls for, you're giving those lines. And it may not be verbatim, but it sounds real, if that makes sense. Because a lot of times we don't speak the way we read, right? We speak differently. And sometimes we're corrected because some other, no, I didn't write it. Like if you're reading a book word for word, no, that's not how it's written. But the way you speak will come out differently. And that inflection is what grabs you in this business uh, in front of a casting director. They want to be able to see you in there somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm constantly critiquing that about myself. Definitely. You mentioned with auditions and stuff like that. Is there any nerves when you're going in there? I, like, I know myself when I'm doing like interviews and stuff, like, I'm always very, very nervous going into it. When I'm doing it, it's like sort of calm. I'm doing what I like. Is it a similar sort of situation, you know? <laughs> Is the nerves of form when you get into it, so this is what I'm, this is what I'm best at, this is what I love to do. Mm. Sometimes, but you know, jitters are part of the game. Everybody, and I've heard it in many interviews from, like I said, the E-listers all the way to the A-listers. You always get a little nervous because there's a lot, there's a lot in, uh, at stake. You know, you don't know if that could be the next Academy Award winning movie that you're part of and you don't want to blow it. So there's always something in the back of your head that's like, oh man. But the problem, and, and a lot of my uh, actor friends that I do work with, when we, we call it sparring, when we do uh, audition reads for each other at times, you get in your own head is your worst enemy. Sometimes you can't just, you can't fear, just go out there and just do it. And many times when we do these auditions and we do hundreds and hundreds of auditions over a course of months, um, you, the hardest part with this is to wrap your brain around the rejection part. You don't always hear back. And when you don't hear back and you watch the show and you say, oh, that's the person they picked. Well, let me see why. And I'm kind of, I, I kind of look and I study, maybe it was my look, maybe it was my look, it was the way I delivered. 
but we always kind of, we feel that rejection, but it shouldn't bring people down. I, I always suggest to, to actors, don't let, you're, you are worth it, you're good enough. It just may be just one slight thing in the, in the eyes of a, direct, of a casting director, you weren't exactly the look for it, but it wasn't because of your lack of ability, if that makes sense. So, I mean. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching this um, scene in How I Met Your Mother once, and there was this actor talking to Ted Mosby, and she was saying, hey, one of the best pieces of advice I could give you is uh, try and go off script if you can sometimes. Is that, is that sort of real? Because I, I, I always wanted to ask it to someone, but is that sort of a real scenario? Is that sometimes a good idea? Is that sometimes impress directors or producers, creative writers? I've been, I, I, that's, a great, that's a great question. I, I, I'm, I'm at a point right now that I'm doing more of that than not. So many times they ask for maybe one take, two takes, sometimes three takes. And that's when you, you utilize that tool. You go off cuff a little bit and not get too crazy because I don't want to see too crazy. But yeah, sometimes, you know, doing it a different way. They want to see because they're not even sure. Remember, remember the, the, the movie or the series or the sh whatever project it is hasn't hit the screen yet. So they really don't know what it's going to look like. But sometimes I've heard stories. Uh, oh, I'm a big fan of Ray Abruzzo. He's uh, He was on Sopranos. He said that when he did his inner, when he did his audition, he said instead of Versailles, the, like Versailles in France, he said Versailles. And that's how he delivered his line. And David Chase, who was director of Sopranos, said, I love it. He would have never thought that delivering that line made more sense to do it like that than not to do it. So yeah, to go off script a little bit is very important nowadays because it, it differentiates you from all the thousands of people who are doing these auditions. So yeah, I guarantee that that's a great advice to get to somebody doing an audition. If you're doing multiple takes, do it differently and go off key a little bit, off cuff, yeah. Um, brilliant. Um, just quickly, before we move on to the Cobra Kai's and the Ozarks, what is, would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received as an actor coming up? Stay humble. And that's hard sometimes because sometimes we, we get a little big head, you know, you're attached to something like, oh my gosh, but then you forget where you came from, you know, when you were just at a cattle call with thousands of other people auditioning without an agent, uh, sending in headshots to people just to hope you can get an opportunity. Uh, but just staying humble, and I love to stay connected to fan fan base because the fans, no matter how big or small you are, they they're the ones who are the wind carrying you know be, you know behind your sails. Once that's gone, as an actor, you're not marketable anymore. Yeah, you have ability, and people saw how many times you see people like, oh my gosh, what happened to them? They were star thirty years ago, and what happened to them? I feel it's very important to stay connected to the fans as much as possible. And I know sometimes you you know. Like, the, like Dwayne Johnson cannot speak to every every person on the planet that's looking to send them an email, right? But if you can, sometimes dip back in there and at least show people, because we're humans, we're human, we struggle just like everybody else. This COVID has taught us this, right? To stay humble. It doesn't matter who you are on this planet. We're mortal. We're vulnerable. So, you know, on a human level, be humble, you know, be kind. Like, yeah, it's just it's just a question for me. Sorry, Charlie. Just sorry. as we move on, before we move on to Cobra Kai, it's just a question, Rick. Do you, sort of when you're watching films, um, do you ever see some things that you could sort of like pick up on and think that should have been differently? I mean, for, for me, it's like when you watch a horror film and there's the cliche of when they're being chased and someone falls over. Um, it's just something like that. Do you ever, do you ever pick on stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. I would I, I pick it apart because. There's so many other ways that something could have gone. Like Star Wars, there's a great example. I mean, you, you can look at the canon and then you look at how Disney put a spin on it. And I'm more old school. I like the, the George Lucas uh, way of delivering and, and how I would do it as opposed to what I would, how I see it on the screen today. But at the end of the day, the writers, they, they you know, these guys, the directors know exactly how they want it. And even when I did my scene in Cobra Kai, I did it a couple of ways and we don't always see it until you guys see it. And it's like, oh, okay, they picked that way. I mean, I, they must have done my scene 50 times. We were there all day long just for that one scene I did. And they, they did change it a little bit. There were some lines that they didn't put in there that I had said, but I was very happy overall with the outcome. Oftentimes artists don't always see the entire, they you're either on the editor's floor or you're in the, uh, the deleted scenes at the end of the DVD. But I was blessed to have had most of my scene there. Um, but yeah, I do. I do sometimes see myself picking apart scenes and like, oh, I would have done a little differently, or I would have done it the same. I agree sometimes. 
I think we, like we're going to move on to Cobra Kai now. I think me and Charlie was actually speaking about this yesterday when he told me that we was having you on. Um, your your scene, you don't, we we didn't realise how big of an actual scene it was, and and the 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 words you said, it was it was just quite, it was just amazing, just what what you said, and I, I think at the end we might get you to sort of recreate it a little bit again because it was just yeah. it was just such a brilliant brilliant scene, and it was just one filled with passion, and you could tell, and I know Charlie. Will, there's a joke. There's quite a couple of rumors going around about who you really are in the in the series. Are you Miguel's dad? We don't know. You know, it was it was it was a good scene, and it, mm. from us as fans, it was we could just sense we could just sense that. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible scene. I was so pleased to have been part of. of I'm just glad to be part of the journey. And the big three know it. The writers and and, and Ralph and Billy, they know that we are all all of us who are the the co-stars of the show are very blessed to be part of a small, a small part of a grand vision and how the big three write this. I mean, we understand that the movie, the show is about, right. It's about Billy and Ralph. It's about Daniel and Johnny. And then we have the secondary characters, the teenagers with the fights. And then all of us that we have our little story arcs or our, our co-star parts, it adds to the flavor of the, of the, of the show. And we all have an intensity that we have to kind of match up there. That makes sense. Right. So that's kind of, when we bring in our parts, and it doesn't matter who we are on the show, it could be Susan Gallagher as Homeless Lynn, it could be Matt Lewis, it could be, you know, Matt Borlenghi, the porn shop guy, all of us, Aaron Danger, all of us have to bring that same energy and intensity to keep it level, right? Um, and I was really pleased the way it came out. I, I did want to bring in a little gritty New York type of accent, so I really laid it on thick there. But it was cool because it was almost like a mic drop situation. That was the very beginning. Yeah. It was to tell the story that now the whole town is up in an uproar because of karate. And I was kind of like the linchpin bullhorn type of person saying, you know, you reap what you sow, LaRusso. It's your fault. Getting back to that. He's been the bad guy this whole time. And people are kind of uh, misunderstanding him, but they're just angry. Now, yeah. where that leads me, my character in the show, uh, we don't even know. I mean, there's so many secrets out there. We don't even know if we come back. We, we don't. Those are all up to the writers in the writers' room. So I hope to be back. We'll see. Definitely. I mean, the big three are very good at that, and they keep it secret. So when with other shows, the spoilers get out, and it's pretty annoying because people want to ruin it. But with the big three, I've not seen a single spoiler in any season, which has been fantastic. Just on that scene, it is such a great scene, the school meeting scene. Just before, I don't know if you remember, but I think you will. But they, they you, I, I heard you was a real bully. When yeah. Daniel was talking about Korea, that was just a great moment. <laughs> yeah. to the well, I, I'll, I'll let you guys in on something. I, did, I think I mentioned this at another podcast. Uh, yeah, I did say this because there was one podcast I had done. Uh, it was just an audio. Uh, but something you guys didn't know. Now, when you hear somebody saying, whatever happened to that neckbeard teacher who attacked all the kids, talking about Stingray, that was supposed to be me. That was my line. And they had another scene with me you know getting angry getting up and getting the whole crowd behind me so those kind of scenes were deleted from it uh but i was kind of the rebel rouser there uh in, in fact but uh yeah i called out stingray right there on the red carpet he didn't come out but uh we know he's kind of uh he's out of the loop there in the show but uh it's it was a lot of fun it was a, a an honor working with ralph and billy and them especially ralph i felt horrible because you know, I, I said, I used, to your point, Charlie, when we, we're talking about, do we sound, we, we go to script or we go off script? So when I said that my agi crap, that wasn't how it was supposed to be said. And I took that chance. And I believe maybe yeah. that helped me get, I don't know, but I did it because it was kind of, in my mind, being a, a big fan of the Karate Kid, that was like an Easter egg. Because when the first movie, when yeah. they were talking about Mr. Miyagi, even Ralph, even Daniel's character said, Mr., you know, Mr. Miyagi, he goes, Miyagi. Here's a funny story. So as I did the scene, after like the 40th take, 50th take, and then because um, they wanted different views, different angles, I felt bad because I'm yelling at one of my, I love Ralph Macchio as an actor. I respect him to totally. And I'm screaming at him constantly like this. We're about 10 feet apart. And when I'm saying my agi crap, my agi crap, at the very end, he had to break the ice and he said, Miyagi. See, you don't see that also in the yeah. show, but he's telling me, and I'm like, yeah. you know, complete respect to, to Pat Morita, because we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't be here in the show if it wasn't for Pat Morita and his brilliant performances, Mr. Miyagi. So uh, I have complete respect for him and the, the whole Miyagi verse, but it was called for that scene, and um, it, it added to that intensity. So it was really cool. I even saw on YouTube there's a 
there's a, something going around. I saw it's like 24,000 views of that scene. It's called Aftermath was my episode. And they have that one scene that kind of set the stage for the whole show, for the whole season three was that intense scene. And I was yeah. honored to be part of that, man. It was really a lot of fun. Definitely. Yeah, it's just a just a quick question, just on just on the actors Ralph, William, and obviously Martin. From from them from their films, go individually because I know some are in the same film. For for you, on each of them actors, what is your favorite film that they have been in? Well, Ralph, obviously. Well, I like um, I love the Karate Kid. I mean, I went to see it when I was a kid in the movie theater, so that kind of started with him. Uh, Billy, I mean, Billy's always been a bad guy. He, he was in uh, uh, Back to School with Ronnie Dangerfield. He's been in so many different shows. And and again, being typecast the way they have been, it's great to be cast, typecast and not cast at all. So just being a working actor in the business over all these years, I tip my hat to them because it is not easy. I did it later on in my life. These guys have been doing it since they were young. And uh, I just loved all their shows, to be honest with you. They, they brought it. They brought their A game to every one of their projects. So, I love what, what I love about the Cobra Kai series, at New Testaments as well, is the way they pay homage to the OG Karate, the Karate Kid, the Karate Kid characters as well, which I think is brilliant. Like, there's even like Karate Kid too. The the the, the young kid who was on the Typhoon and Top and Daniel saves her. She featured in season three. I thought that was a great touch. It's just brilliant how they pay homage as well with Easter eggs and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I tell you, the writers, uh, those guys. I mean, Josh uh, Hayden and and, um, and John Hurwitz, they they are the magic behind those 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 guys. I mean, can you imagine when they're in their in their writing room, scrumming together, coming up with these ideas and these thoughts? Talk about paying proper homage. They do it in such a way that you know you've seen shows or reboots and you're like, oh, that's kind of cheesy the way they rushed it through there. These guys did it in such a way. I mean, I teared up when. Like Daniel was reading the the, the last letters of Miyagi, right, with Kumiko. Yeah. When they show the girl again, he saved her and she saved him, right, from uh, from the car from the car company. That was so brilliantly put together. But I don't think there's anybody else out there right now that can write like these guys. That's why this show is so special. And when we kind of knew early on, even when it was on YouTube, we knew that there was like lightning in a bottle. These guys knew they had something special here, and that's that's what. You know, these guys behind the scenes writing this show are, are the true stars of the show, to be honest with you, because nobody else could have written it that way. Ralph says it in interviews all the time. He's been approached for years with different plots and this and that, and he refused because they didn't they didn't pay it proper homage. And, and these three did. And that's why this is the number one show. And it will be for a long time on Netflix. Definitely. Yeah, just as Charlie said, it was just, it was crazy because me and my dad are huge Karate Kid fans. It's weird to think, obviously, I was not born when that film was made, but no joke, I much watch that film about five times a week. I know all the sure. words. I say it with my dad, and uh, on the film when he reunites with Kumiko, I looked, I looked to my left, and my dad's just my dad's sobbing, and he's like, Aww. he's just he's in tears because it just it just has that effect, and you you don't realise sort of just just how amazing it is and like he said when he when he saw the girl who saved him when she was sat next to Kumiko his dad was like that's the girl who he saved and it's just it's just just incredible it's just amazing oh yeah yeah. they they uh it's just it's it's a very nostalgic moment when guys my age and your dad's age you know we we watch these shows it brings you back to that magical moment because most most of the time these were blockbuster hits for the summertime so when it was always a, a thing that when school was over here in the united states summer school you know there's no summer school you're off for the summer and you're looking forward to those big hits and it brings you back to those teenage years of innocence before you get to pay bills you just go to the beach and relax and have fun with your friends karate kid was part of that part of all of us and now going back to seeing the you know how these guys you know went through their life and where they are now but going back and forth and seeing these old characters in the miyagi verse is just unreal and it's brilliant how they did put them all together and and I'm curious to see how they're going to continue. Uh, but they keep raising the bar, as you can see, right? They're raising the bar high. Definitely. It's quite funny as well, and Charlie knows this. It's just it's just because of the Karate Kid as well. It's, uh, from the original, when Daniel and Ali go on the date and they do all the you know, arcade games and everything, and that is literally how I go on every first date. I just send <laughs> the person I'm 
you know, dating at the time. I send them that video and we're like, this is what we're going to do. Because it's, just, it's, just, <laughs> it's just incredible, you know, with a mini golf and, you know, they're playing the games and, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so just, awesome. Just amazing. It's, it's, it's something that doesn't go away. I mean, you can still picture yourself going to mini golf, going to an arcade, even though you have better game systems at home nowadays. But just yeah. that innocent, fun getting out there and just doing that type of stuff is, is timeless, right? It can traverse mm-hmm. From when I was a kid to you guys, young guys, you can picture yourself having a great time doing that, right? So, indeed. What's your favorite scene from Cobra Kai? Favorite scene, probably um, when John when John Kreese's character comes back and you see him light the cigar, and he says the real story has only just begun. Right there, you get chills, man, because (laughs) it's like, wow, awesome. You know, he doesn't have to say much, right? Martin Cove (laughs) is just such a consummate actor. I wish I had gotten a chance to meet him. I didn't get a chance to meet him because he was still filming when we were doing the rap party and they were filming in the last episode. But uh, he is fantastic, fantastic. And, and his son, Jesse's great kid too, man. Uh, really nice family, great folks. What is, um, what's some of the theory? Have you seen some theories from, from, your, from your character? So like we said, we've seen the Miguel Diaz theory. Have you seen some theories oh, yeah. about your character? Indeed, indeed. Well, it was kind of interesting because I had to, keep that you know we all sign non-disclosure agreements legally uh with the show that we can't talk about so even even if i wanted to say something about the miguel character and the father character i couldn't say anything who i was i could have been a a guy flipping a pizza for anybody new and i couldn't say anything we're not allowed to but it adds to the to the to the suspense of you know the fan base looking at theories and you know the big three they do a lot of um fanfare and they like it they love to hear the fans responses and their fan theories they love it especially john Hurwitz. he's very engaging with his fan base on on instagram on twitter on facebook uh he usually you know checks in from time to time with people and he loves the the fan art and the theories but um yeah i i saw there's a lot of internet rumors about me still out there uh I see things to this day and, and who knows? I mean, there's one thing I can only say, uh, a lot of our characters don't have last names, so anything's possible. Exactly, it leaves that door open. Uh, one question I did want to ask, Rick, when, when you feature in these like sort of TV shows like Cobra Kai and like Ozark that you're a fan of, it may sound like a weird question. Does it make it weird for you to watch it after? Uh, sometimes I don't watch them, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't watch all of them, um, but in the beginning, yeah, felt a little weird. It was almost like weird in a fun way because, you know, my kids, uh, they've been with me, you know, my, my wife, and my kids, uh, they were younger at the time when, when I first started, but it was almost like a, uh, like a family celebration. We'd all watch the, sh- the show together to see how much I didn't get cut out of something. And, oh, look, there, there I am real quick. You know, there's a blur or something in the beginning, but uh, especially with Cobra Kai, we did a big, a big watch party in my house and my kids, I didn't get to see it first. It had shown here in this in my part of the United States at three in the morning, and I was already. It was after New Year's, so I had a, a pretty rough night. So the <laughs> next day, it, by the time I got to see it, my daughter's texting me, "Dad, come here! You got to see this. Let's watch it together because it's so good." You know, the scene came out great, and I was hope I was afraid that they would cut a lot of it because I was told some of the other actors told me too when they saw it, their scenes were edited, but uh, I couldn't have asked for it to be done the, that way better that way it came out perfect they couldn't have done it any better um and uh i'm just happy so happy the way it came out man you spoke about the shooting day and obviously like 40 shots and stuff what was the the, the whole shooting experience like and being on the set of cobra kai like a karate kid remake that you've been a fan of for years what was that like well i wasn't around for the original one so those guys those directors are passed on uh but this new crew here they're like family and they treat us all like professionals and, and it didn't even feel like it was work. It was like we were hanging out with friends. They were so convivial, so warm. Um, they spoke with us. It, it was crazy. Um, I mean, just spending the time with Ralph and, and, um, and Courtney, uh, who plays his wife on the show, I, just sitting down and just talking to him, chatting, just as people, breaking bread, having lunch, just talking about every day and how the kids are and just how life is. It didn't feel like it was a day at the at the office. You know what I mean? It was so so much fun uh, sharing some of their experiences, talking about where how they got into the business as well. Uh, without nerding out or geeking out too much, because it happens too. You know, you're sitting next to these stars. It's like, oh my gosh, un- amazing. But uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't have asked for a better experience out there because I have been on multiple movie sets with some huge actors, but this particular set. Uh, 
it's it's like a dream come true, but it's so much fun. You don't want to go home. I tell you that. And the writers were just phenomenal. Such nice folks. The crew, these guys, they, the, from the makeup all the way to the, the set designers, everybody was like one big happy family. They really were. Yeah, sure. I mean, with this show as well, like the OGs are brilliant as well, but also what stood out to me, a lot of people is how how good the kids are in it as well, like Jolo and Jacob Bertram, Peyton List, how good they've been in it. And I think wow. in the future, when they, when this show ends, sadly it will end at some point, like don't want it to, but they are they are massive stars now. But could you, could you see like a remake? I know it sounds a bit crazy now, but could you see like a remake like 30 years down the line with the sort of kids in it? You know, I could because it's weird as a, uh, when I see younger artists, I, I look at them like the way they do their performances. They're like old souls, Jolo, Jacob, Mary, these guys are like, oh my gosh, they brought it. And it didn't take 30 years to get that good. These guys are naturally talented people. They can really, you, you, you can put them in any movie, in any scene and they'll knock it out of the park. That's how good they are. And uh, you know, if you want, uh, I've heard it oftentimes, if you want the best results, you got to put in right, the right ingredients. And these guys, they, they're where they're supposed to be, but I can definitely see them doing other things. They can do, like you just mentioned, Charlie, they can do, uh, what would you say, like a remake? Like a remake, sort of line, remake? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. These guys are great. I love to follow them and, and continue to see how they evolve as actors too, because as you hear every day, there are a lot of people passing on either COVID or older age. We've lost some great actors as of late and the future uh, industry stars are out there and they're being developed right now that you guys will be seeing when you're my age, you're going to go, wow, I remember when Jacob started in Cobra Kai, when, when Jolo started Cobra and now he's an Academy Award winner doing this and that, right? So Definitely. people, the, the, the baton is passed on, to, the torch is passed on to these folks and I'm excited to see their future works. 100%. Yeah. Are you a, a team Miyagi-Do or Cobra Kai? <laughs> uh, I don't want to say I'm like a gray, a gray Jedi. I'm a little of each. I, have a more, I do have a moral compass. But when it comes to the show, I'm Cobra Kai all the way. Yeah, no mercy, as they say. When the, when the uh, show first came out, but obviously before we heard anything, and we knew, we knew there was kind of the Karate Kid, what were your thoughts on it when you first heard it? A lot of people were really scared that like, this is something you don't mess with. What were your thoughts when you when you first heard it? I, I thought it was wonderful, to, to be honest with you. I thought that the only thing that we all kind of were a little skeptical about was the YouTube Red platform, because it was like, YouTube Red, what is that, you know? And I did see a lot of auditions coming my way in the early stages when season one was around. And, you know, you put you do them and you put them out, then you send them out and you get called, you don't get called. Um, but that was kind of the only thing but the, the people I knew who worked on set and who knew of the content and how it played out after the first season, I was, I was a fan. And when season three came out and I got the audition for, uh, for Roger, I was out of the country at the time. I had already sent in my audition. I didn't even know what was happening. I was out of internet and like cell phone range. I was on the mm -hmm. islands out in, the, in the, uh, St. Lucia. And uh, all of a sudden I was at a, higher peak and I got an email from my agent Rick congratulations you were you know cast for Roger on Cobra I said what I love that show that's awesome you know it was crazy you know a surreal moment but I I've loved the show from the beginning I was a fan from the very start man. like you guys you love the Mandalorian imagine cool. getting cast for the Mandalorian yeah even as a even as a robot I, I'm happy to be a part of this journey it doesn't matter yeah. what I am I mean to be attached to the show it's helped so many of us and and I can definitely speak on behalf of a lot of my cast members it has opened up many doors for us that we have seen happening now. I mean, this project that I have been part of after shooting Cobra, because Cobra Kai, we shot that almost a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. And uh, I've, I've been attached to many other projects that haven't even come out yet because of that opportunity has afforded yeah. me. So I'm very grateful, very grateful. Is that yeah, Obviously, oh, Cobra, yeah. sorry, Charlie, Cobra Kai is obviously action-based and, and there's a lot of fighting, but the other side is some humor to it. And we, we look at um, we look at Johnny, and it's just mm -hmm. a question: does, does Johnny really not know how to use the internet or a laptop? I, I I highly doubt it. No, well, in the show, yes, it's written that way that he's kind of been in the bubble, like a time capsule, almost like an Austin Powers for all these years. <laughs> yeah. And you take him out, you defrost him, and he's like, "Whoa, what's you know what's Facebook? You know, uh, hash browns put hash brown." So yeah, <laughs> the character is intentional, but you know, of course, you know, Billy Zapka is. 
nothing like that. That, but that goes to show you, he's a great yeah. actor, right? He can really pull it off good. <laughs> How important do you think it is to have the uh, mixture of funniness and humor, as well as the most serious moments? That's a good point. Uh, it's good to have some levity, some cheekiness to these things, because it can't just be all intense, intense. You want to build that intense moment, but you got to kind of breathe and let it, you know, fall to the, you know, fall out a little bit and just relax, you know, shake it off. You have to have that, that sentimental moment too, that people want to cry a little bit too, but then it brings you up with something fun or something cool or something badass about it. So yeah. it's like a, it's, it's like a symphony. Like, you know, you have all the different things that make it a whole, you can't have it all intense. You can't put your foot on the pedal and be zero to 90 the whole time. It, you have to let go and have the other moments to kind of make it what it is. I think that's why it's so successful. It has so many different aspects. 100%. What franchises do you think else we could expand on? Uh, from franchises you've seen that could be expanded on potentially in the near future? Uh, well, Star Wars is doing a great job about that. I can see, I, I was thinking about it the other day because you see how you see the prequels, right? And how you see the backstories. I can see, you know, the Sam Jackson, you know, the, the, the uh, what was his character? Uh, Mace Windu. Mace Windu. I can see a backstory of Mace Windu. I can see Sidious. You know, Darth City. I can see him as a child. You can see that whole thing come come about. Um, all these different shows nowadays are doing it, as, and and it, and I don't want to say it's becoming redundant. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it's purposeful and meaningful, and it doesn't kill the original because that would just kill it for the for the viewers. And I hate to see when that happens. It's like, oh man, they did that. They they could have just left it alone, you know. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of other ones. I see The Godfather. I, I'm, I'm, they're missing a part, in my opinion, and I was just talking to my wife about it. We, we, we're such avid lovers of that, of that, uh, of that movie. From where Don Corleone, he becomes the Don after he kills the the guy in the white suit, right? Up until like the 30s, we're missing that whole timeline. So I like to see a prequel for that. Uh, I'm a big, like I said, a Sopranos fan, so I'm so elated to see that they're doing the Many Saints of Newark. It's coming on HBO Max this fall. Uh, with uh, the late, the great late James Gandolfini's son, Michael Gandolfini, reprising the role of his father as a child during the Newark riots in the 60s. That's going to be amazing. I, I wish I was part of that. I love, love The Sopranos. And to see that backstory and how he came to power, that's going to be meaningful. That's going to be huge, huge. 100%, definitely. Um, just a couple of final questions from me. Um, the Obi-Wan series, I don't know if you've seen that as well, with oh, you and McGregor yes. returning, and Hayden Christensen, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, I am stoked, like you guys, I am like pumped. When I saw Hayden Christensen uh, lying to it, I was like, what? Oh, I, I can't wait to see that. You and McGregor, you, right there, you're, you're looking at another stellar cast. Uh, I, who's going to be the director of that one? I don't know if Favreau's doing that. I think it might be the same one. Not, not the same one as Mandalorian, I think. I'm not sure. I know there's some writers from the Mandalorian involved in that. Because sure if Favreau has anything to do with it, I mean, he's a genius. I, I, I would love to work with him one day. But man, uh, if it's anything going to be like the Mandalorian, we're talking, they're raising the bar big because they got you and McGregor, man. You can't have a better Obi-Wan than him. He's just fantastic. Oh, definitely. There's also a quote mentioned in there that there's going to be a rematch of the century. I, I, with with uh, my other co-host, Joe, we've had a little back, back and forth on how that would work. What, what sort of theories do you think how that would work? Well, uh, like, I, I think I would, I think we would all kind of agree on the same thing. I think it would work just the same. It would be fine. Um, but I mean, what do you think? You tell me. <laughs> I don't suggest that. I feel like uh, I'll you push would, it back to you guys. <laughs> he won't see. He won't see it's Obi Wan. I don't think he'll sense him. I don't know. I think that would be some, some sort of mission. I'd be dressed up as something. And they'll go back and forth. But I don't think you'll notice yeah. him until after Darth Vader. Yeah. That is, I know, this is a little suggesting that, but because I don't know if they mentioned in this in the uh, old film when they actually last met. I'm, I mm -hmm. can't remember if they actually did or not met, like, mention when they did last meet Obi Wan and Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. So I'm not too sure. So I think it'd be something like that to be honest with you. Or it could be it could be like a flashback straight after after the fight, maybe something like maybe that. some close some close calls because you know that he's gonna you know we, we know that Obi Wan is gonna be on Tatooine. And does he leave the planet from time to time? I, I got to say, I don't think so because he is really watching Luke, right? That's his whole mission is to make safeguard Luke. So how yeah. that's going to play out, how many seasons can they really have? Will it be just be one season? I don't know, but I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. These guys were not talking about being selective. 
they're not destitute like that. They're going to be very selective, and I'm sure they know exactly what's happening, and it is purposeful, and it, and it and it will be done great, and that's why they're aligning themselves to that project. So I'm sure they have a, a I'm sure it was written in a way that doesn't it won't be cheesy. It's going to be well well put together. Hundred percent. Just a final question from me. If I was to ask you now, what would be your dream role in a film to have or, or a TV series? What would you say to me? I'm leaning more towards a, 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 a series regular on like a, a gritty New York cop show. Uh, I'd love to be a detective kind of role, something like that. I just did a movie uh, last year that I play somebody like that that's coming out. I can't talk about it yet because it hasn't been uh, hasn't been sold yet. But it's it's in the process of being repackaged. That's what a lot of films do. So I can see myself as a, you know, a private investigator, cop, gritty guy who, who struggles with that moral compass, that good and bad. I had a backstory. I wasn't always this angry kind of thing, you know? I like to see myself in a project like that, maybe an action movie, uh, a full-out action movie. I can see myself doing something like that as well. Um, and then maybe something, uh, I don't want to say the mob thing, because that, that kind of ran its course a little bit, but something in that genre that there's some kind of family struggle with a mob type of thing. I, I always found myself, I can picture myself in the Sopranos or the Godfather, something like that. Yeah. Brilliant. So if you have anything else to add, Jack? Yeah, I was just about to ask, um, obviously you mentioned about a, your dream role being in an investigate, uh, something like that. Have you ever seen a film, Sylvester Stallone, I See You before? That just sprung to mind when you said that. I don't know if you've ever seen that one before. No, I'm sorry. I did not see that, but I'm sure it was brilliant. Uh, yeah, very good film. Huge, huge fan of his, but uh, that, when did that come out? Was that one of his... Uh... It, yeah, it's quite quite an old, probably to his earlier days. It is, it is a very good film. It's one I'd recommend. Um, I think it's on Netflix in a minute. Um, it's sort of, he's it's, it's chasing to, a serial killer. Did very he have like film. a beard and mustache? Um, one, or was he clean shaven? I cannot remember. It's been a long time since I watched it. But okay. um, my, my final question was: apart from the, the films and series you've mentioned today, um, what would your top three films be? And then, following on from that, your top three favorite actors? Who would you say they they be? Top. So top three films of all time. I'd say it's almost a tie between Star Wars and the Indiana Jones trilogies. Those are my, some of my favorite uh, on that side of it. Uh, film-like, I'd say Godfather is right up there. Soprano series on HBO is right there as well. I can't give top three. I'm I'm like top two. That's just the way my brain process. Yeah. And they're they're almost a tie. To, they're almost a tie to me. And then I have my favorite horror movies. I love classic horror movies. Yeah. You talked about Halloween. John Carpenter is by far one of my favorite directors of all time when it comes to the horror genre. The Fog. Halloween, Christine, I mean, all of these movies that he made. I, yeah. I mean, uh, Prince of Darkness, I love John Carpenter. He's great. Some great choices in there. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this, Rick. It's been, a, I, I've loved every minute of it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, oh, again, thank, you, thank you for Jack. taking the time. It's been thank amazing. Thank you ever so much. Hey, maybe we can do it again it. sometime. I really appreciate it. I'm humbled. And thank you to all your fans. Thank you for your support. And there's a lot more coming. Promise Definitely. you. Can we get a recreation you of your line in Cobra Car by any chance? <laughs> oh, don't get all high and mighty LaRusso. It was your student who Diaz. You reap what you sow. Chills. Chills. Amazing. Chills. Thank Amazing. you. That means so much. Thank you.